Once again, good morning, happy Mother's Day, and welcome to Asbury. As we've mentioned, I'm Heather Vermeer, and I'm the Director of Children and Family Ministries. We're so glad you're here this morning. This Sunday, we're concluding our sermon series on what's next. Over the past six weeks since Easter, we've learned together how we are called to live as resurrection people. We began on April 11th talking about living a life of optimism, and then we continued to discuss a life of gratitude, life on purpose, and life in God's family. Now we get to conclude our series, celebrate Mother's Day, and share what it looks like to live as resurrection people in our families. When Harold asked me to preach for this morning, he asked me to bring a special guest with me, my mom, Jennifer Van Italy. She's here to help me, since I'm not a mom, by sharing some examples, some stories from my childhood and our family. Some background information, I also have a dad named Brian and a younger brother named Logan. But unfortunately, they were needed elsewhere, so you just get us today. Now, hear the word of the Lord from the book that we love, from Deuteronomy 6, 1 through 9. These are the commands, decrees, and laws that the Lord your God directed me to teach you, to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you, and so that you may enjoy long life. Hear Israel and be careful to obey that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Treat them, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. As we begin, let's review what's going on here so that we don't take God's words out of context. So the book of Deuteronomy is the fifth book in our Bible. No, yes. Um, and it's set near the end of Israel's wandering in the desert. They left Egypt and now they've been wandering and they're getting ready to enter the promised land. Moses is reminding Israel of all that they have been through since the Exodus. And he's reviewing God's law with them. As we learned with the grand sweep last year, Moses wasn't allowed to enter the promised land. Instead, he passed his leadership on to Joshua. So Deuteronomy is his final review, his final chance to teach the Israelites how God calls them to live. 
Deuteronomy 5, which comes right before this passage, is Israel's reminder of the Ten Commandments. These Ten Commandments, they first received right after they left Egypt. And then after this passage, through the rest of the book of Deuteronomy, expands these Ten Commandments and gives them specific meaning, specific examples of how they are to live in this new land. So kids, the first point on your outline is God gives us directions to help us know how to love God and live well. Those are our Ten Commandments. Now, as we enter into our passage, Moses starts by looking ahead to the future. As Israel's entering that promised land, he knows that they will face people with all sorts of different beliefs. And they're going to be tempted to abandon their call and fall into disobedience and the habits of their neighbors. Yet, these verses reveal that if Israel fears the Lord and obeys God's law, God will be faithful and provide for them. In this way, the Israelites get to respond to God's past faithfulness, God's provision for them as they were in Egypt, as they left Egypt and wander in the desert, and God's future gifts of land and safety. What is their response? Simply to obey. Also, really cool, in verse 3, Moses calls God the Lord, the God of your ancestors. History is so important to the Israelites. They knew their stories, the stories we read in Genesis. So they would remember how God was faithful to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, and know that God, that same God would be faithful today. So kids... This story teaches us that because God did what he promised in the past, we can know that God will keep his promises in the future. And for all of us, we learn that God's past faithfulness reveals God's future faithfulness in new lands. So as you enter those new lands, just like Israel entered the promised land, how is God calling your family to remain faithful? What do those new lands look like for you, other than physically moving? Maybe it's new ages or stages in your family or a new job situation that requires an adjustment in your family. One of those new stages that our family encountered was when Heather entered first grade. And at our church, we had Wednesday night programming for elementary students. And as a first grader, she was now eligible. However, it ended after Heather's usual and very much needed bedtime. And so we had a decision to make as parents. What were we going to do about that? Well, we felt it was important for her to be part of this group so that she could grow in community with other kids and grow in her faith. And so we bit the bullet, we figured out how we were going to deal with it, and we, um, we just figured out how to get through those Thursday mornings, which sometimes extended into Thursday afternoon and Thursday evening too, 
Um, but eventually, you know, they, the kids grow into um, those new expectations, and that's what happened with us. The next part of our passage is so important. I want to read it again for you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These verses are what are called the Shema in the Jewish world. Shema comes from that first word in the phrase, hear. They're recited as a part of morning and evening prayers, and pious Jews aim to pass away with those words of the Shema on their lips. The Shema is really important in the time of Moses because it pushes against all the polytheistic, which is a word for nations who believe in lots of different gods. And they're going to be surrounding Israel in the promised land, but yet Israel declares that the Lord our God is one. There's only one. And it also reveals to us that it's that same one God from beginning to end. That same one God was faithful to Abraham, to David in the middle of Israel's kingdom, to Paul in the New Testament, and to us today. God has remained the same since before creation and will remain the same forever. This command that follows this declaration in verse 5 reveals that we are to love God with our whole being because God is the Lord who is one. Everything we do and everything we are is through the lens of love and obedience to that one God. And kids, the Bible teaches us to love God before anything else. We, because of this, we know that the same God who was faithful in the past is faithful today. Because of the work of Jesus's death and resurrection on Easter Sunday, we are integrated into the promise and the covenant that God gave to Israel. So we get to respond in obedience and love, just like the Israelites were called to. As far as our families go, we get to share this love in all sorts of different ways, how we treat others and as we serve God. Often, our families get the worst of us, right? But loving our families is how we love God. We serve God as we work in his name and through his purpose. Maybe for some of us, that looks like pulling weeds and harvesting at the community garden or like bringing a meal to a neighbor who's just done surgery or had a baby. Or it might look like volunteering within the church too. So research is now showing that the young adults who continue to attend church when they are out on their own um, the ones who therefore choose to attend church are those who were involved in serving in the church when they were growing up. In our family, we were able to encourage this service by focusing on what our kids' natural interests were. 
Heather, from age 10 or 11, loved the little ones. So we helped her volunteer in the nursery. When we had church dinners, we chose to sit with those young families. And honestly, that's not a hardship for me because I gravitate towards the little ones also. But then as she grew older, we started encouraging her to contact the adults who were involved in the ministries directly herself, to to volunteer herself. Um, And then by her senior year of high school, she was helping direct the children's um, Christmas program. And now, here she is with all of you. Meanwhile, our son Logan has very different interests. He's the engineer. He's into all the tech things. And so when he was in around eighth grade, we decided maybe he was becoming responsible enough to deal with church tech things as well, and we connected him with the sound guy at our church. For our part, we got him to church early, very early, every Sunday morning until he was able to drive. And so what difference has that made in his life? Well, he's now a college student, And after he visited a few churches near his school, the church he decided to attend was the one that needed him, the one that had an opening for him in the sound booth and uh, with the video recording. And so um, service is what has connected both our kids back into the church as adults. Finally, the last verses of our passage today reveal, Deuteronomy reveals that the success of a faith community is found in the passing of the faith to the next generations. Moses talks about this passing in two specific ways. First, the passing of the faith in structured events, like when you lie down and when you get up. Maybe for your family, this might look like prayers right before bedtime together, or thanking God after you brush your teeth the way Pastor Harold suggested a few weeks ago. But this passing of the faith isn't just in those structured events. Instead, it also happens throughout ordinary life. Moses talks about when you sit at home and when you walk along the road. So passing the faith looks different in different families. But this passage makes it very clear that more is involved than just coming to church on Sunday mornings. Our faith has to be part of every aspect of our lives and as part of our children's faith. So some families use devotionals done uh, read regularly at a specific meal. To be honest, our family rarely did that. But I think we ended up having faith conversations at just about every meal. Some conversations stemmed from the weekly sermon or Sunday school lesson. Others grew out of our participation as a family in Bible study fellowship, um, especially those times when all four of us were involved in different classes um, because we were studying the same passage each week. Um, Reading time with younger ones is a great time to incorporate those stories of the faith, stories from the Bible. Just make sure that as you choose your books, you choose wisely. Otherwise, if, if the book you're reading has uh, some, isn't quite running parallel to the Bible, then you're going to have to explain that. So it's easier to just pre-read those books and figure it out. 
Um, our kids also went to public school through 12th grade. And so part of this faith journey within our family was having discussions between what they were learning in school and what the Bible taught and struggling together how that all fits and, um, and in what we believe. The big idea here is that there is no separation between faith topics and our secular family life. They are interwoven, and our children should know that from a young age. We also used music to bring scripture into daily life. I am one who just about every verse I have memorized is because it comes from a song that I learned once upon a time. We learned early on as parents that we should only play music that had lyrics that we didn't mind our kids singing because they would sing them. And we took advantage of this when we realized our son Logan was not singing during the worship service because he didn't know the songs. He wasn't quite a reader yet, um, and he was just standing. And so we um, realized that a lot of the songs we were singing at that time were on a CD that, of all things, was Veggie Tunes Worship. So the Veggie Tales, they were worshiping God. And that CD went into our car and went everywhere with us and played, I, you know, who knows how many times. Um, it was just on repeat. But in that, Logan learned the songs that we were singing in church. And so he began to sing as well, and he got used to the idea of singing in church. And so as we would maybe sing a song he didn't know, he was more willing to branch out and try it. And as his reading skills improved, then he was able to read the words on the screen or in the hymnal and, and learn new songs. And it just wasn't a scary thing anymore because um, he started with songs he was familiar with. And so if there are any of you out here, parents, who... Um, would like to know each week what songs are going to be sung on Sunday so that you can introduce them to your young ones, feel free to contact Heather. She will be happy to email those to you every week. So, As we continue, this importance of passing the faith to next generations isn't just Moses' soapbox that he wants to go off of, right? It's found throughout the whole of Scripture, in the rest of the Old Testament and in the New Testament as well. First, in the book of Proverbs, which is often attributed to King Solomon, he writes, My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son he delights in. We also see this in the New Testament, in Jesus' own teaching and life on earth. In Matthew 19, we read, Then people brought little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and to pray for them. But the disciples rebuked them. Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. When he had placed his hands on them, he went on from there. So kids, 
Your last point is that we get to learn about God from grown-ups and we get to share God with people who are smaller than us. And whether or not we are raising children, we are called to meditate on God constantly and to share God with those around us and with the next generation. This is the beauty of the church. The church parallels and walks alongside the nuclear family and joins together to raise that next generation, just like we promise in our baptism vows. The family grows in faith when it is encouraged by outside forces. Children get to grow into young adults who realize they have this huge network of adults who care about them, especially about their spiritual well-being. Parents get to be filled with relief as they get to lean on others. So I have taught Sunday school for around 18 years, but in that time, I have never once taught my own kids' classes. They needed to hear from those other adults in their lives. And those other adults are vital during those times as a parent when you just aren't sure that you want to spend one more minute with your child. I think of one woman who was around five years ahead of me in the parenting journey, and just about every week at church, she would come up to me, and she would encourage me, because Sunday after Sunday, as she approached, she would see me sighing. She reminded me that that strong-willed daughter I had would eventually grow up and figure out how to do life. Now, for many of you, just getting to church on Sunday morning is a notorious disaster. One of my favorite things to do as the pew around me emptied with my kids serving on their own and then going off to college was to scan the lobby beforehand and see which families were just not having a good morning. And I would invite one of those kids who I knew from a previous year in Sunday school or other uh, activities around the church, and I would invite that child to sit with me during the service. Now it's, you know, they're being singled out. They get special attention. That's fun. And the parents are just thrilled that they don't have to referee in the pews that that morning. Um, Often siblings would get separated. Um, And the child would learn that it's not just their parents who are worshiping in the pew, but it's other adults are worshiping, and they're learning then from how I worship, how how I encourage them during that time. So if you are one who is not currently responsible for the day-to-day raising of a child or a teen— Will you consider how God might be calling you to impress God's words upon the hearts of the next generation? And when you come up with one of those ideas, will you maybe write it on the connection card, either that you pick up um, as you leave the sanctuary or um, online? We would love to hear some of those ways that you are reaching that next generation. So as we wrap up, Deuteronomy 6, 1 through 9, reveals God's plan for Israel, which has now been extended to all believers. 
because of the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. God reveals God's faithfulness through the past and calls God's people to pass on their faith from generation to generation. We get to respond to that good news of the resurrection by sharing our faith with our immediate family and with our extended church family in every aspect of our lives. How is God calling you to share your faith with the next generation? Please pray with me. Father God, you are good. Thank you for being present here today and for revealing to us who you have called your people to be. Thank you for pointing out those ways in which we might be called to share our faith in you with the next generation. You are so good, and we thank you for being present as we worship together, as we move those scarves. We love you. And all God's children say, Amen. Amen.